To make it in cannabis, first you must dare to. 12 years ago, MJ BizCon dared to unite the global cannabis community, igniting a movement that continues to thrive. The wait is over. Let's grow together this November 28th through December 1st in Vegas. You'll hear incredible stories, see groundbreaking innovations, and forge connections you need to thrive in 2024. But wait, the clock is ticking. Get your tickets by September 28th and save up to $200. And here's a secret. Podcast listeners get 10% off with promo code 23POD10. Don't miss out. Get your tickets at mjbizcon.com. That's mjbizcon.com. All right, welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today, we got Alex Rogers. He's the founder and CEO of the International Cannabis Business Conference. Alex, thanks for being on The Talking Hedge. Thanks for having me, Josh. I appreciate it. Yeah. So for some people who haven't heard of the ICBC, can you kind of give them a little recap on uh, what you guys do? Yeah, uh, we're kind of the first conference, you know, there's a million cannabis conferences out there. And uh, when we started this in about 2014, there weren't so many, but I still wanted to find a niche that that wasn't there yet. And international cannabis wasn't really on anybody's radar, mm-hmm. you know, obviously in America, I should say, and uh, or in the United States, I should say. And, uh, uh, you know, I just thought that I had lived in, I lived all over Europe and I kind of consider myself a global soul. And so I had, uh, uh, I'd always just had the druthers to, 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 to help legalize in Europe. And so we started the International Cannabis Business Conference in Portland, Oregon, eventually San Francisco, eventually Vancouver. And eventually uh, we got into Europe, into Berlin, and uh, the Berlin ICBC became the the biggest uh, in Europe for B2B and my personal fave. Um, But basically what we do is we're a conference that brings people together. We curate special in a special experience and, you know, talk is cheap. A lot of people say that, but we just put a little more, you know, I I went to so many cannabis conferences when I was a ragtag activist back in the day. And like the old school normal conference. Now, big up, shout out normal. But, you know, some of those conferences were just a little bit, you know, it was old school. You had a lot of, you had a lot of criminals in the cannabis industry, you know, it was just sociologically congruent, you know, and, uh, uh, and I just thought we could do a better job and wouldn't have to come off as stoners. I'm a stoner, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm a magna cum laude graduate of political science also, but I am a full fledged stoner, you know what I mean? And, uh, I just want to, I just want people to know that's that stoners can do stuff too. And not only can, can we do it, but we can, we can do it better. So ICBC is a great quality experience in terms of curating, like an, a great networking experience. And of course, a lot of awesome speakers. And then we have counterculture after parties afterwards. And it's just kind of the, the, the whole deal, kind of a cerebral academic day. And then we, at night, we, we kind of let loose a little bit. So I was up there at the Vancouver um, ICBC last year when the Canadian border was still open. Uh, and I, so I wanted to talk to you about some of the things that, that I was listening to and, and some of the transgressions that's been happening post-pandemic. But before I get there, I kind of want to ask you about the industry um, in, in general, um, kind of with international, as you mentioned, you started it because you didn't see people doing that. 
I was working with the World Trade Center here locally in Tacoma, Washington on an export store, like an e-commerce international platform. And when talking to hemp and CBD farmers about getting their products online for the international market, they're still to this day, very much reluctant because I don't know if it's matured yet. I don't know if it's if they've understood the full vast capabilities of going international. What's your take on uh, maybe the naivete of, of the market or just how early it is? Or maybe I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What do you think the market's doing? Well, yeah. So there's, so because we do, we do conferences in about five, six different countries, you know, it really depends on what country you're in and who you're, who you're asking. So if you're asking the farmers in, in the United States or on the West coast, are they down for going international? That might seem really crazy to them, like a big move, right? <clears throat> Almost slightly grandiose. And if they have a market here that's sustaining them, they don't necessarily need to think about it, right? So I know in California, a lot of people want to export it. They, they you know, just talk THC, right? They can't, they're dying to, they can't wait. As for the CBD, you know, there's markets pretty strong here, but yet it is starting to happen in the United States and people are feeling more comfortable with it. And if you go up to those, if you go up to those same people that might've been a bit reticent, they, now they, if you gave them an actual plan and said, Hey, this is what we're going to do. It's going to go to Switzerland and this is going to, then they might be like, well, yeah, let's do it because it's incumbent upon the person to who's making a deal or whatever to make it as cogent as and clear as po as possible of what's going to go down with this big step that they're taking now when you talk about other countries they are international you know you go to europe and you know except for maybe germany uh everyone thinks internationally right mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of you know different rules and so we're, we're regulated by state and feds basically canada is kind of the same thing uh, uh but states would you know, provinces are the analogy for the states. And then in Europe, it's, it's, we, they actually care what the United Nations says about weed. So when we first started doing conferences there, you know, the Germans would come up to me like, oh, Alex, you know, we want to import, you know, but the UN will never let, let us do that. And I was like, the UN, what's that? <laughs> you know, because as Americans, it's, you know, that's not on our radar because, you know, previously we, we are the UN. We, we caused all the, the drug shit. Then we op ironically open, opened it up, you know, uh, they're in like a grand irony. And then now Europe is pushing the envelope. So you see some cases in Europe now where it's not necessarily um, okay or, they, or, they, or the UN will will we'll twist it to say, well, what's well, okay under medical auspices, but it's not under rec, for example. Um, but whatever it is, I find it fascinating that that's a real variable in consideration for folks doing business in Europe of what the tenor and the, you know, what the regulations of the, of the UN are. And you also have the regulations now of the EU. So Germany's not just Germany anymore. France is just France. Switzerland's not even Switzerland quite anymore, even though they're not part of the EU. However, they are part of the Schengen Treaty, the, the border exchange uh, treaty. So, so everyone has a different 
every everybody has a different take every country's laws then you have the un laws and then you have the eu laws that are kind of that kind of uh, uh have supremacy over over individual country laws depending on a, a lot of things so it's like the united states of europe over there now except it's not it's even i'm not a huge fan of the construct of the eu because it's run by European Commission, which is non elected officials and the European Parliament doesn't have a, a legislative initiative. Um, you know, most Europeans don't even know the stuff that I'm telling you right now. Mm -hmm. uh, they just like our European Union, you know what I mean? And, and there's very, you know, on the streets, nobody's for the EU in Europe because when they or at least the Eurozone, because it made prices go go up so I'm, I'm digressing here but uh uh but my point is is that there's a lot of variables and everything's international over in europe so you go there and everyone's like oh yeah the switzerland yeah we're getting the cbd to the spain and then macedonia and then we're going up to london to do and then denmark and then every country has its respective thing going on and then they have the other uh, hierarchical rules they they don't have to but should and kind of kind of do sometimes follow from the un and uh, the the European Commission. So you know they say uh, uh, implementation is ninety percent of the law, right? Mm -hmm. So even with all this regulated constr hierarchical construct, uh, it's it still matters what's going on the ground, and 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 you do see the envelope being pushed uh, over there also. And CBD is a great example how it's how it's how it's been and being pushed right now well it's definitely interesting seeing you know like a town in northern france and then greenland both um banning alcohol early on in the pandemic and then promoting cbd um be you know we're not really used to that so now that it's become essential business uh, all of that stuff has changed so kind of expanding on what you were just talking about, because there was five things that I wrote down when I was at the International Cannabis Business Conference in Vancouver, BC last year. And of the five things, it was regulations, mergers and acquisitions, uh, international investment, international export, and strategic partnerships. So I'm wondering about, you know, maybe a crystal ball prediction or things that you've seen and or heard that kind of lend credence to uh, both international export and international investment in 2021 well yeah okay so now herein lies the sixty-four thousand dollar question because if you had asked me this question a year ago i, I would have had a uh, a slightly different answer mm -hmm. but ultimately the answer is the same it is it's going off the you can't even i couldn't even understate or overstate how important it is to you know, if you have a niche in the international cannabis market, be it through product or investment or partnership or whatever it is, these can be really, really, really important uh, uh, partnerships to cultivate right now because, you know, it doesn't take a Rhodes Scholar to figure out that this, the cannabis thing is going only one direction. And in some ways, the pandemic is, is something that has actually possibly accelerated um, or accentuated this notion of cannabis commerce, right? So Europe's also very different in that they're not as, you know, we, all, we think of Europe as very progressive and, 
and, and liberal, and of course they are in a lot of ways, it's also very conservative. And, and when it comes to can in, in, in like old school traditional ways, and when it comes to cannabis, Europe can be very uh, conservative. So when the, when the financial crisis happened here in America, 12 years ago or whatever it was, 13 years ago, that was when we started legalizing weed because it, you know, the activists, we'd been doing it under the auspices of human rights, go figure, civil liberties, what a concept, up to the point where we had the recession and then it was, um, we're gonna do this for, you know, look how much money everyone can make, right? And your economy's fucked and your economy's fucked, but we're gonna legalize and we're gonna unfuck ourselves by legalizing weed. And we actually see, you know, we, we, you know, Colorado came on and then, and then uh, a, a lot of other states, Washington, you guys right there. And, uh, uh, and boom, it just happened. You know, I'm a little sad as an activist that we just, we, we forgot about the humanitarian or civil liberty aspect uh, of it, you know, seemingly, but this, the same, it's the same analogy is kind of true right now for Europe that they that they have the the pandemic in Europe or the lockdowns or whatever you want to call or deem it as uh, and so this is this is you know and I don't like when people say oh this is an opportunity for a new this or that for the pandemic the, the lockdowns they suck and they suck however reality is reality realismus and it uh it's a huge opportunity now in europe to push forward for recreation because it's so easy to talk medical marijuana in europe but it's so hard to talk recreation mm. for example in germany like 85 90 percent some ridiculous number are pro medical marijuana right but then it's like 35 percent wreck so the discrepancy between who's in favor of medical and rec is great. Now, I think that's going to change. And I think this, this pen, the, the, whatever you want to call it, is going to, the, the shitty situation we're in is going to accelerate the, the, the pro opinion for, for recreation. And I think it's going to be for some of the same reasons uh, that, that it was accelerated in America uh, 13 years ago. So before this, I, I would have had my answer would have been like it's on it's going it's gradual and now i think it could be even quick quicker hmm. it might not be it might be it, it's like hindered in some way it's like two steps back three steps forward type thing happening here and uh, uh when i talk to my colleagues in europe it's kind of like my colleagues here most people are doing pretty well in the cannabis industry under the the lockdowns comparatively speaking to some other industries and the same is true in Europe. When you talk to people, they're like, it's going off and this and that. And now you're finally starting to, um, you know, see those mergers and acquisitions happen. And there's been a couple major decisions recently in Europe that have really helped the market. Um, you know, the, the UN actually or they say cannabis is not a schedule four drug anymore. And that's, that's huge. So they've kind of rescheduled it. And then the European Commission has said that uh, that CBD is not a is not a narcotic. And so as, and so these are huge decisions that have that have 
you know, I think they would have come, they might have come about whether the uh, pandemic had happened or not, but these are, these are examples of huge institutional, you know, decisions on a high institutional level that have been made that are opening up the market. So as for mergers and acquisitions and whatnot and partnerships, people are feeling a lot more comfortable uh, coming into a market where they know, I mean, it's still volatile as heck, don't get me wrong, but it's not, a, it's, it's, that volatility has seemingly been a, a, a bit mitigated with these big institutional decisions. You, know, you mentioned the United Nations. And so with the World Health Organization, the United Nations kind of on board with now declassifying, uh, maybe even in, in favor of the U.S. Uh, rescheduling cannabis, wondering how that's going to change, especially with the FOMO that Mexico's legalization could have on the U.S. sandwich between Canada and Mexico. And yet the importance of strategic partners in that scenario, because Starbucks didn't work in Australia, McDonald's didn't work in, Aus in Iceland, and yet those are staples that you would think are plug and play anywhere, but it just highlights the importance of understanding the local culture and how to really break into you know, a new culture with a new product or service, even though it works everywhere else. So how do you foresee that legalization happening and, and working its way internationally with those strategic partnerships. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I know how I see legalization happening and it is a little bit, it happens a little bit, you know, when you talk about understanding the lo the respective locale, you know, that's what I've learned by doing all these, all these events around, around, around the world is I get to see the cannabis market mm -hmm. in all these different places where it's thriving and, you know, you see some consistencies with every, you know, and some constants uh, with everything, but then you also see every respective area has their own nuances. And, you know, I'm not sure what you mean by, by how it helps with strategic partnerships, but I know that- I guess maybe like an intermediary. So if you're in Spain, if you want to get into Spain from the US and you don't understand the culture, finding a strategic partnership that has an existing- Right, okay, I got it. Yeah, no, that's, oh my God, that's crucial. I mean, and that's analogous to, to like the hippies and the suits in in america when as we came on and we professionalized the cannabis industry it's like a lot of the suit and then a lot of suits would come in and be like oh well i don't need the hippies mm -hmm. because i'm gonna do this just like i would do any other business and a lot of people failed because of that notion and they realized that well you do need the hippies and and so the same is so true i mean i mean i cannot i cannot say enough about how important it is if you want to understand a, mar a market, you know, in America, you need to get down with the culture a little bit. You got to understand cannabis culture a bit, at least. And it's, it, of course, it's going to help. It makes sense to any real business person who's not totally hubristic and a jerk is going to realize the value in, in, in understanding the culture of a product that you're marketing to, you know, even if you want to go mainstream or whatever. And that is so true, like in Spain and Germany and all these places are so different. And you go to Spain and you realize, well, it's not really legal, and but it is legal. And well, then you have this coffee shop scene and then you have this, this medical scene that's not really happening. And then you have this CBD grower thing going. And then you have this medical growing thing that's allowed for export, you know? And then you have the culture of just how to do business in Europe in these countries. And you know, if you come in like a, if you come in like John Wayne and shit to, to Bar Barcelona and start talking to cats 
like, hey, 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 hey. You know what I'm saying? If you don't sit down and have a fucking espresso with these cats and just chill for like three hours before you do anything, you're not gonna you're not gonna be be successful. So there's there's the cannabis nuances of each respective market. There's the cultural nuances of each respective market. And yeah, I can't stress enough how important and fun it is. You know, it's like you don't want to come in there and John Wayne things out and just have everything come to you. I mean, if you're some total don and you're used to that shit, fine. But otherwise, it's really great to go into a different culture and then understand, you know. Oh, maybe vape pens won't work in 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 Europe as well as they do here because everybody smokes with tobacco. There's like one of those grand example, you know, easy examples of understanding a culture that's European culture because nobody smokes pure weed in Europe hardly. Mm-hmm. They are to a little bit now. You know, you can't. Are dabs ever going to be big in Europe? No. I mean, they'll be big. They'll have a niche, right? But will they be big like here? No, because people don't smoke weed like that in Europe. It's a it's a very interesting cultural difference how we all smoke pure and they all smoke uh, uh, with tobacco. Uh, and it was really you know, weird I, explaining what the vase was in Amsterdam and that it well, was they don't a bong. Want that and, sh- they don't want that shit. They're like, what? You smoke pure? They think you're some drug addict or something. Has no idea what a bong was. I had to explain it to him. I thought he was just <laughs> trying to get free weed out of me. And I'm like, here, you can smoke. I, you don't have to play dumb. And he's like, no. Yeah, really. he's like, oh, don't- so what is that? Oh, right. I never tried. He was, he was <laughs> legit, though. He had no idea how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my God. That's a stare. Yeah, so like, yeah, so another thing that there's a lot of things that kind of came true uh with you know with the event that i went to uh at the icbc uh including the mergers and acquisitions we saw tilray and canopy having a gigantic merger um anything else that you've seen that kind of would um add to that trend with either Canadians coming down to the U.S. or just the U.S. capitulating together because they feel that they are forced to, what's going to happen with that this year or or moving forward? Well, I'm not I'm not totally sure. I mean, I I think there are. Look, it's all about consolidation, right? Because they're they're gonna people are gonna have to consolidate if they're going to survive. So these are there's there's going to be no middle people. There's going to be little mom and pops doing their thing, and then there's going to be the big con- consolidators. Is that so, an analogy to Starbucks? There used to be mom and pop, you know, Starbucks places like baristas, and then now it's like either you're at Starbucks or you have a little drive-through. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's quite Starbucks analogy, Bucky analogy, because. <clears throat> Because marijuana culture is strong, you know what I mean. It's like we, we, we know we know what we want. We know how we want it. And I, and I guess I wouldn't compare us to coffee achievers. You know what I mean. Mm. You guys still have infused coffee though, right? In in Oregon. Oh, we got all that shit. Because we don't have infused coffee. I know I'm getting no? off track here, but I'm just making a point that if you have a ton of money and you want to throw it into Washington, uh, give us some infused coffee because I'll, I'll drink it. I can't, why don't you have infused? You just happen to not have it or it's not allowed. We have K-Cups, but that's not coffee. So they got like Legal Soda, the brand that you probably have still in, in Portland and down the I-5 corridor. They still, I think, have infused coffee from time to time, whether it's you know cold brew or otherwise. They don't have grab-and-go coffee in this state anymore because it's too expensive. To what, to, to, to manufacture? 
right. if they can't get the milligrams to 10 to 15 cents per milligram, then the bottle and because the retail stores up here will do a three X on the price. And then it pushes it to $20 for a drink. It sits on the shelf and then doesn't end up working out. So they pull yeah. They yeah. put all of that well, maybe you might have to do two X on that product. The Dutch have a, a saying, claim percentage machrot advantage. Small percentages make big advantages. Yeah, that's the way it's going to have to be in the end. I was just talking to a, a friend earlier about um, waiting for $20 a pound because I was at, at the store getting some cones and tobacco's there, $18 and change for a pound in a bag. I'm like, that's, that's going to happen eventually. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, in Oregon, it's cheap as hell. Like our market is so awesome, bro. You still like, got thirty, forty dollar ounces down there. Hell yeah! I mean, yeah, you can get, you can actually go in and get some deal, and get a and and, and get a zipper for forty bones, bro. It's like it was four hundred when I, you know, in California yeah. in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I know it was debilitating. So events uh you know we still got this this lockdown bs um not able to to open up the canadian border um certain countries don't want people how how is the international cannabis business conference uh looking to move forward is it this year is it next when are we going to be able to get together and pass around a joint again if ever uh, um you know man i i i just it's funny because i'm so we're about to publicly announce our 221 events next week. And I'll, I'll announce them. I'll break news and announce them right now. Uh, they have not been publicly announced. So, and this is gonna, this is, it's, I'm really excited. Um, our next event. So we're, first I'll, I'll, I'll say that we've, we're, 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 we spun off to, uh, we're doing B2B, our, our B2B conference. And we're also doing smaller global investment forums now uh financial events investment events partnership of uh, events and uh our first event for 221 will be in austin texas at the lake waste resort and spa uh may 6th and 7th and that's going to be a global investment forum our berlin event will be july 7th through 9th and that and that's uh, the seventh a one day global investment forum and the eighth and ninth of July will be the, the big B2B. And then I have a couple more, but uh, I'm, that's all I'm going to announce now, but uh, right. <laughs> we got some other totally dope shit coming up too. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I figure we got to push, we got to push back to, to, to normalcy, man. Uh, uh, you know, this, it's just, you know, I just called, I called up, where am I going to do an event? I've always wanted to do an event in Austin. They're open to do events. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to Austin to do the, do the event. I rented like three times as much space for the people mm -hmm. that'll be there. So we will be cognizant of, 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 you know, not having to be crammed in like sardines anywhere. I don't think anybody wants that, you know, pre COVID too, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if you, at these conferences, you know, it's, it's nice to be at least cognizant of, of staying healthy, no matter what it is. Um, but we've got it going on. We've got, we've got the, the hotel, the venue's amazing and we're having 
VIP receptions and after parties. And a lot of it's going to be outdoors in Texas on these wraparound decks looking over Lake Travis. Um, it's we're going forward, brother. And for Berlin, we're we're um, right now we're capped at a thousand that could go up. Um, but if we have a thousand person event in Berlin, we'll be very happy. And the funny thing is, is in a, and in Berlin, it's a, it's a, it's a three, it's a, like I said, it's a, it's the big three day uh, event. And we've, we've rented about three times as much space for a thousand people uh, for that also. Um, but, you know, we're pushing forward, man. It's like, it's funny because, you know, everybody has a, an opinion on COVID and the lockdowns and uh, they certainly run the gamut. But when I call folks, I've been calling people the last two, three weeks, priming, uh, you know, our, you know, our core constituency, if you will. And uh, uh, everybody's super stoked, bro. Like every, even, even the most, you know, hardcore, fearful people of, of COVID are still saying, I'm coming, you know what I mean? They just, they have to come, you know? It's like, this is, they, they, they're just tired of being sedentary and they wanna interact with people. And to tell you the truth, businesses are suffering. When we get together again, we're gonna be like, what, what, what? I mean, who knows what the possibilities are? And, and you know, and I think everybody's restructured to understand how to keep overhead low and how to work as efficiently as possible through all this. Hmm. So I think when we do make partners, <clears throat> I think we kind of know, everybody knows what they want a little more, what they need. And when we see it, we'll latch on to it and we'll, we'll, we'll go forward with it. So, so it's been heartening to yeah. see the reaction. Well, I'm wondering if, if post uh, pandemic, if it's going to be a hybrid now of in-person and online for certain people that just aren't ever going to, to uh, be comfortable you got Bloomberg and CNBC saying that travel will never go back to normal. The CEO of Airbnb was saying that uh, conveniently right after he went IPO. <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck them. They just want to, it's, it's all fear porn. You know what I'm saying? Never go back to normal. What a stupid fucking thing to say. You know what I'm saying? Never go back to normal. Man, that, they must think they're awful important to think something, you know, to even know what normal was in the first place and to think it could go someplace else or not go back. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous that the shit that people say, um, we are going back to normal. In fact, you'll have a sense of normalcy at our conferences and we'll make sure of it. And so it's incumbent upon each one of us to, to not succumb to authoritarianism and that's what this is is turning into is authoritarianism no matter which side you're on it's just clear this can go bad you know it's, it's so similar to 911 to 911 to me when after 911 the FISA courts expanded you had Guantanamo you had all the spying from the from the NSA you had all this home homeland security became a new agent a, agency right and I de I'm definitely digressing a little bit here but uh but you know it's the same shit. They just take control. They take power, and then it doesn't. Re it never goes. It never uh, regresses or goes back. You know they don't retract it, and and that's the same thing for this. If we let them keep taking 
power there it's never gonna it's never gonna go it's never gonna go back and that's i don't care how you feel this is just a normal this is just normal sociological sociology 101 so so we're pushing forward man we're like none of this no god of course we're gonna go back to normal and you know if i have anything to say about it or if my colleagues have anything to say about it you know we are the normal we create our world they don't create our world we create our world and we have to remember that and we have to be respectful for everyone's opinion everyone has different opinions about this safe but you know the you know what the cool thing is josh if you're scared to come to one of these events you don't have to come what a concept for those that don't want to, I'm curious if if a technology like virtual reality hardware, like headsets, are going to be something of the future, and, and maybe near future, where you are there, therefore you're involved, even though you can't come. If you have like an immune compromisation situation, um, or you just aren't feeling safe, or you can't make it, will will the event industry uh, moving forward? cater to or in, try to involve folks that w that aren't there physically with something like virtual yeah. reality. Yeah, and that's how we've already had that. And will that happen more? Yeah, there's no doubt that that'll happen more. And we're even going to do it for our Berlin event specifically, the big one, we'll offer a virtual, uh, we did a virtual event in June, it was successful. I personally hated it. You know, it was just like, oh, uh, so just uh, it's not the same yeah uh, so bad i'm I'm a hands-on guy i'm touching right. feeling right you know it's like oh god so so i didn't so i decided i'll never do a just virtual event again i mean never say never but i don't think i'll ever do a virtual it just not doesn't float my boat hmm. that being said we want to be considerate of people who want to be part of this network but don't feel comfortable if you are immune compromised you got to be you know, going out anywhere, you got to be careful if you are, you know, or if you have multiple core comorbidities, you, you have to be careful. There's no question about that. Um, therefore, for, for the globe, smaller global investment forms, I will not offer a virtual ticket. Um, I don't think um, they're very exclusive high end events. And I really want to promote you just you're going to have to come to the event if you want to be be part of it. Um, I don't see much that that someone could get out of it. Also, if I thought there was real value in selling a virtual ticket for that, maybe I'd do it. But for Berlin B2B, when there's a thousand of Europe's, you know, God knows how many people on the app of Europe's finest in, uh, of this international multitude of, 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 of cannabis players, then we will offer a ticket for the Berlin event that will not be live though. You're not gonna have be live watching the events live. We'll render that material 24 hours after it's done. You'll just be able to go into the, the, the networking, the app, right? And connect with all the attendees before, during and after the event. And really that's where the value is anyway. So, so for me, it's smooth because I don't have to deal with the bullshit of all the tech. And all the oh my god we're getting glitches and uh, you know mm -hmm. that's horrible i hate that I'm, all, I'm a true luddite right anyway so i mean i have ex you know experts that do that stuff for me but i don't understand it and i hate it and uh <laughs> but with that being said we're going to offer the ticket because if you want to come into our network and be with these th thousand uh, uh really 
amazing cannabis players are all high end, all paying six, five, 600 bucks a ticket, then, then we'll have a virtual ticket. It's not going to be real cheap either. I don't want to incentivize people to not come, but I will have an option if you want to be part of it that you can, you can attend virtually through, through the app. Is there anything before we uh, roll this up? Is there anything that I left out or anything that you'd like to plug? No, nah, man, we said it all. Did we get you? We, we announced the events on it and, uh, uh, you know, let me, let me hit. Where can people find you at? If they're interested in attending this event, either in person or, uh, online, how can they reach you? Where can they find you at? What's, uh, what's some, Oh uh, yeah, they go to international CBC, international Charlie Bravo Charlie.com. And we're gonna have our all our events announced. Uh, we'll have them up by no later than I think about uh, just under two weeks. We might actually announce next week. Um, so all the information is gonna be there and uh, we're really accessible if you want to contact us. You know, I mean, one thing I will say is that we're, we don't we don't have any big investment for us. I've had investors coming to me for this or that or whatever, and we're a family-run conference. So we're one of the few big conferences on the planet that's just family-run, you know? We get to do what we want to do when we want to do it. That's one reason we're able to survive through all this is because we can be lean and nimble when we whenever we need to be. So... Uh, so we're very accessible. If anybody wants to contact us, just hit us up on the website. We've got, uh, for the investment events, we've got pitch tables for people to, uh, exhibit and get them directly in front of, uh, investors for the B2B. We've got a lot of great sponsors, uh, exhibitorships that will sell out. Berlin will sell out quickly. Um, so if anyone's interested in the Berlin event, hit us up and, uh, uh, we, we're here to legalize cannabis all and, 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 and all drugs all over the world, you know, just uh, things, things you do to yourself are not a crime. And we just have been pushing that for, I've been pushing that for 30 years now. Uh, as, since I, since I, since I met my mentor for the cannabis in, from the cannabis and Jack Hare, the original uh, activist. So, so that's all, that's all I want to say, man. We just want to legalize it. Everybody needs to be able to grow weed in their house and all the business stuff is a wonderful byproduct of great public policy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we'll have some of those links in the description uh, in the show notes as well. So cool, dude. I want to thank my guest, Alex Roger uh, Rogers. He's the CEO and founder of the international cannabis business conference. Alex, thanks for being on the talking hedge. Appreciate it, Josh. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the talking hedge. Don't forget to like share and subscribe or don't. And I'm out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey guys, Montel here, inviting you to check out my podcast, Let's Be Blunt with Montel, where we have candid conversations about everything cannabis. We have over 250 episodes in our library and a new show drops every single Thursday. So be sure to subscribe. And if you like what you hear, make sure you leave us a review. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh.